Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Focus, Focus, Strike, our podcast dedicated to nerd culture generally and Legend of the Five Rings specifically. Hello, everyone. It is October the 23rd. It is almost midnight Eastern, uh, 10 p.m. where we are here in Mountain Time. We just finished the Canadian election and finishing all kinds of fun stuff that make Canada fun. Mm. Uh, it's been a while since our last recording. I'm here with Blake. Yo. And basically, we've both been very sick lately. I mean, I just mm-hmm. got out of the hospital, so I'm breathing again. All is well with the universe. Mm. Uh, been spending time with my kids just as I uh, recoup. All is well there. Oh, and what have you been up to, Blake? Uh, tonight, I got to play in my uh, in my Betrayal Legacy game. We're on this. We did the second last. I think it's the second last haunt. Uh-huh. And yesterday night, on the opposite week from. When we play Arkham Horror, I started a new uh, game with some guys online using the Fragged Empire rules to play a troop of XCOM soldiers. So we, we surprisingly didn't all die. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Not dying is definitely a bonus. Uh, have you mm-hmm. had a chance to watch anything lately? I know I started watching um, Island on Netflix. Oh, how is uh, that? Basic, basic synopsis. It's Lost. Uh, I'm on episode oh. four, and while the show has a lot of potential to go deep, the way that they've laid it out is good. I like the the overarching stereotype, cartoony 1980s. However, as first shown, he drops five different pop culture references, uh-huh. four of which are from different decades. Like de- like anachronistic decades from after. Yeah, when it's like to for be. example, he talks huh. about how. The people who design the simulator are just a bunch of goofballs, uh, nerds hanging out on their iPads. It's um, not that I don't understand why all these different references don't fit together, Mm -hmm. uh, because I'm old. However, (laughs) for most people under the age of 30, half those references were useless. And it then leads me to think, okay, if you're setting it up that the actual overarching villain is just another simulation... So mm-hmm. it can grab a lot of stuff from a lot of different time periods. I'll give you that. But otherwise, I would have preferred that as a human being, you're generally consistent with your markers. Mm. So okay. like you're of a certain age, your markers are going to be from when you were a teenager to when you were about 25. That's where your pop okay. culture markers come from because that's when you right. absorb okay. the most of it. So it stays consistent. So if you were 25 in 1980... I could safely assume that you are now 65 just by your references. Like if you're talking about the space shuttle blowing up, probably like, you know, that's in the late eighties. So if you say I saw it live, you're probably in that category, right? You Mm -hmm. know, you're you're about 60 now, those kind of references. And because of the way they wrote them, um, it's just different in terms of like, it's it's kind of scattered. Yes. Also, it makes it hard to figure out who is the hero. Like, although they have clearly identified a main character, and you know, if your name's at the top of the marquee, odds are you're the good guy. North American television, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. But in this case, it's like they're purposely trying to be extra funny, like extra witty to show mm-hmm. how intelligent they are. Just mm-hmm. based on, they're, they're making it more difficult than it needs to be. These stories, especially with brand new characters in the middle of a lost island, the character archetypes should be like dirt simple. This person is mean. This person is good. This person is blank. 
so the audience can play along, but at the you same can time, give the they don't shading and depth later. Later, exactly. Yeah. You know, so the person who wrote this does not get my seal of approval, but I will mm. say I'm going to watch to the end because there's enough there. Uh, I could see this show being more like a Breaking Bad, where it could okay. take a couple seasons to get going. Uh, sure. But in general, uh, that's all I can really see from now. Hmm. So that's that's uh, one of the less good uh, reviews I've heard from an i uh, from a Netflix show. So not not counting Iron Fist, of course. Yeah, I can I can understand how that one will go. I mean, that's basically the newest thing that I've watched. I've caught up on a few other things, but most of them were mm-hmm. things that are really big with the five year old crowd. Ah, yes, of course, so, of course. Again, I, I haven't been very active because of the sick, but uh, the one thing that Drew and I have watched over the last two weeks is a playthrough of Heaven's Vault on Twitch that someone we know has been playing. And that game is beautiful. And the interesting kind of half-academic, half-philosophical nature of the story and mm-hmm. the puzzles and whatnot is pretty good, I think. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, it's, um, well, I won't say too much. I'll say if you have a chance to check out the video and if that appeals to you at all, like the actual trailer for the game, maybe give it a try or at least watch somebody play it. Yeah, that's the other thing I've been watching lately is a lot of YouTube playthroughs because lately I will say that L5R has been boring me quite regularly. Oh, uh, just in bad. general playing. It's like it's just not capturing my attention. On the other hand, uh, some of the news has really perked me up. I like the idea for draft uh, that mm-hmm. they're going to be using at Worlds. I think it's just the they're trying to use it as the largest playtest pod uh, with random people that you can get. So they can mm-hmm. test new roll cards, new alliance cards, see how things mesh out if you take away a lot of the restrictions. Also, right. you have basically the best players in the world. Yeah, uh, as a group, not all of them, but most so of them. They're going to find abuses. They're going to find it quick. Exactly, and this way they can also look at these things as they go forward. Also, I understood that basically Tyler, the designer, was building the pods of like what cards would be considered the commons, which ones the rares, that kind right. of thing, to, okay. build, to build your draft pods, so you can move them through. Uh, and supposedly, it's all good to be played with um, a three. Uh, core set, so basically you can have enough cards to, to build all these decks oh, and, wow. and do all that. So you don't have to buy any new cards other than like the actual pack that they're giving away for free at Worlds if you play in one. Uh, right. Just basically says that. There are a couple things I thought were really interesting uh, mm-hmm. about it in general. And one thing I think that opens up a new space for design, um, which they're going to have to look at, which is that spacing on the bottom of the card. Because oh. If they're going to be playing in uh, that format where they're going to have draft, they're going to try to support it. Mm-hmm. The cards that they're printing should have the draft pods rarity level printed on the card somewhere. Oh, it's going to be different from the like. Well, there's no rarity in an LCG. Oh, right. So, yeah. No so point. basically, all cards are the same. So now you have to print them somewhere near maybe the influence marker that mm-hmm. just says this is a rare, this is a common. So this way, when you're building yeah. up your pods, you could just shuffle all the commons together, all the rares together, and just deal them out in 16 packs, right? Or yeah. eight packs, or whatever you're doing to move your cards around. It makes it a lot faster, right. a lot more seamless, and a lot less work. And this thing that makes draft less work. to me like drafting and more to me like a constructed cube. 
Well, it's going to be more like a but. constructed cube, but the, it's going to be a draft format where they're basically uh, handing out the packs as yeah. a to one player, moving them around. Um, yeah. Also, the thing like, is that's really like funny. Cube. Yeah, um, the alliance cards, which will never be used in regular play. Uh, right. So, like allied with the crab, where you can take yeah. um, out of clan, crab card dynasty as yeah. well as conflict. And the, those roll cards you, all come you, with the you same. Think those are never going to see play in people's. Well, sets? not the way they are, because they basically say uh, all the traits. So they're keeper, seeker, air, earth, water, and fire and void. Okay. For and they're only for draft format. So in that form. Oh, okay. If I'm allied with the with the crab, I get an unlimited suite. So I get all of my own clans roll lock cards, and yeah. I get all of their clans roll lock cards from what I can draft. Okay. So huh. that one's there. That's like the one thing. However, what's interesting is they have a card called Allies of Convenience, which okay. is the eighth roll cards, because there's only seven clans. Mm-hmm. And this one is your deck making may include non-unique out-of-clan dynasty co- and conflict cards from two different clans, ignoring influence. So okay. right away, that's a pretty good start. Um, that sounds pretty balanced. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't have all the traits. So you're just a Ronin. So you can play none of the clan locked or roll lock cards. Period. Oh. So unless you draft no roll lock cards, like no seeker cards, no keeper cards, no air cards. Yeah. That kind of thing. Uh, it's going to add up quickly in terms of huh. like the, the thing. But I do think this is going to be the most fun because it does allow for L5R to have a game that is not necessarily uh, as punishing as the constructed environment. Because you can just play for fun and get a different deck every time. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's, that's I somewhat the appeal of draft in general. Yeah. I mean, just show up and play is good. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one is they recently put up more of the crab spoilers for the crab cards. Right. Uh, which is really cool. Uh, there's one card, I, I think the Caillou Wall thing, because we haven't talked about that at all, because we've missed most of these ones. Yeah. Uh, the Caillou Wall looks kind of interesting, sure. but I really just want to talk about that in relation to Desolation, which is the card they, they spoiled today. Which one's that? Uh, it's a two-cost event called Desolation. has an influence cost of two. Mm-hmm. And um, it is a lose, two honor, choose an opponent. Until the end of the phase, treat each of that opponent's provinces as if its text blocks were blank, except for traits. Oh, so including it's kind provinces. Of like a... Sorry, go ahead. Uh, including provinces that are revealed later this phase. Okay. Right? So, good stuff. I like it. I think, mm-hmm. honestly, if this card was already printed, there'd be a lot more unicorn crab Fair at Worlds. Because this card is basically one of the staple cards in Unicorn is the Shibo, Shinjo Ambusher for its ability to just turn off a bad province right. mid-battle. It's like, oh, I'm going to break this upholding authority. I'd best not have that happen to me right now. Yeah, exactly. Right? So I play that. Fine. This card. Oh, yeah. It's like that card on steroids. That's crazy. Yeah, it's like I start the turn with, okay, I lose two honor. Unicorn have things that trigger off of if I have less honor than you. Um, right. And then on top of it, 
I turn off your provinces for the turn. Yeah. It's like, Is it just the provinces? Yeah. So, like, you'll still gain fate from if you flip over a void province because it's still void. Mm-hmm. I just think of this and I'm like, funny that um, as part of the playtest thing, whereas unicorn cards don't generally combo together very well because they go out of their way to make sure that they can't be comboed. Mm-hmm. For example, Endless Plains and Talisman of the Sun. Right. Uh, they don't trigger at the right time, so they can't work together. This card basically says, with all the new Caillou Wall stuff that's coming out, it doesn't turn off Caillou Wall. It's a trait. Right? right so it is. it's like so if you know those are mostly on, on holdings, not the provinces, but those kind that kind of space is still available for them if they decide they ever want to use it. Yeah. Um, so you know that one's there. I mean I found it that card specifically drew my attention. Yeah, it's mean, strong. Because their new province is a wasteland, so you can't turn off wasteland either. Uh, but the Cootie Wasteland is awesome only because of this. And I will give this credit because stopping fights before they occur is good. Oh. And it's a four-strength province, the sure. Cootie Wasteland, which is unique because it's a wasteland. Can't have too many wastelands. Uh, I mean, during a conflict, not, yeah. yeah, during a conflict at this province, your opponents cannot trigger character abilities or initiate keywords from characters he or she controls. Uh, now, this is what makes it good. In quotes, like in the parentheses, so that you know it's it's basically reminder text, Yeah, Covert is initiated before this province is revealed. Now, oh I know that because I've actually read my rulebook a few times. Yeah. But it just means I don't have to fight about this all the time. Yeah, it's like Covert is in the declaration step. The reveal comes later. All three steps, assigned, covert, all come before the province is revealed. Yeah. Those kind of things. Uh, but they put it on as flavor text. Flavor text that reminds people of relatively innocuous, but yet going to come up every single game. Yeah. I assume it came reaction. up during playtesting more than once, and they're like, no, we're just going to put that on there. Just in yeah, case. You, have, you have space for that. You know, it's stuff yeah. that you can do. So in that respect, I like the new crab pack. I love the new I love the new dragon. Uh, mm-hmm. As much as I've been bored by, by Unicorn because I find the lines of play are very linear, yeah. Uh, because basically you've got bring guys back from the dead, straighten guys, uh, win conflicts. That's basically mm-hmm. what your whole deck is. That's all right. it does. Um, and never defends. So basically <laughs> what you can do is a fairly tight suite. Yeah. Right? It does it really which, well. Which has strengths, but also... Yes. Yeah. It's very consistent. I will give it that. It doesn't make it's- it... I think it's great for itself. Isn't necessarily a strength, though. Well, it is when it's when it works. I mean, the thing about the unicorn deck is it's got high roll potential, mm-hmm. so it can just blow up. And if it just goes off and you can't deal with it, you just lose. Right. Um, it's it's got that kind of blitz thing where it's like, man, I just got blitzed out of the game and I could never recover. That's one. Mm-hmm. But the other one is it gets boring to play, which is really good for a highly competitive tournament like Worlds. Yeah. Because you don't want to be thinking. No, like by, no more by than round, you have to. Yeah, by round six or seven, on the second day, it's like, I don't want to think. I want to just know what my cards do, and then the deck tells me what to play. Yeah, because if you have uh, to think, you have to start no, thinking about things like, would I rather be napping? 
<laughs> yeah, because basically you're thinking to yourself, I've already practiced this. I know what mm-hmm. this matchup is. I know what cards I'm looking for. If I see them, I'm going to play them. That's like that's the, the whole thought process is, did I see card X? Mm-hmm. No. Okay, then I can ditch all of you guys because you're not the card I'm looking for. Yeah. Uh, that kind of thing is, uh, is very strong. I like it. I think it could be you know, very handy in that respect. Uh, what I'm thinking overall is there's going to be some good stuff. And I think Worlds will do that because, and this is where I'm really big on Worlds, dun, mm-hmm. dun, dun, fiction time! Ooh, yeah. It's always a nice yeah. part of the year. So basically put, for people that know, they're basically setting up Clan War. Uh, it was released, the name of it, as the next big box by some British distributor. Okay. Uh, so they put it out. However, uh, the big ones are they're really getting some good fiction now. So the last one brought up the, the ones I don't want to spoil. I don't want to mm-hmm. talk about. There was War of the Lioness. Okay. Uh, so last time we spoke, I believe Shahai was running away with uh, Daisetsu. So right. they're yes. being chased okay. by Mitsu across the plain. Oh, Mitsu. Yeah, whereas the other dragon army is now holding the Imperial Palace. Mm-hmm. So the dragon is split on both sides of the Civil War. Go figure. Yeah, which is normal. Uh, that's their them. way. Uh, the, the Scorpion are not happy with each other because they're, they're not necessarily all working towards the same goal, which is very Scorpion because they both think they're doing what's best for the Empire and for mm-hmm. the clan, but they don't agree on what that is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> There's a, a new crane one and a new crab one that have basically come up in like the last few hours. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. So basically, they're really good. Uh, I would yes. recommend it. I've, I've read the crane the one. Poke, poke it it works. But yeah, basically, they're setting up every clan with its own internal dichotomy of what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, should things go right or go wrong? Now, for those people who actually read the Clan Wars novels, Back hmm. in the day, yeah. uh, the fact that Unicorn isn't really mentioned, other than like Shahai running off with Daisetsu, mm-hmm. is about as Unicorn as Unicorn can. In the Clan mm-hmm. Wars, they didn't do anything. I yeah. mean, literally speaking, I mean, Kamoko had her own book, which was cool. But in relation it wasn't to the really other books. about the Clan Wars. Yeah, exactly. In, the, in relation to all the other books. Basically, the other ones were super good, especially the beginning and the end, which I believe was like Lion and Scorpion, or Lion and Crab, or Scorpion and Crab. But like those were the big books, I remember. The the Lion book, the Crab book, the Scorpion book. Unicorn book was basically filler. It was like, man, they told us we got to film seven episodes. And we only got six scripts. I know. Let's find a girl with a horse. Sold. I know. So people thought it was really good. So from the fiction point of view, uh, I would recommend sense. reading that. I mean, luckily, hmm. uh, because of my overall level of just, you know, fatigue and boredom, hmm. uh, I haven't been listening as much to, to the various podcasts. I mean, luckily, oh, the only same. unicorn card I'm really looking forward to is in the next pack. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it won't be legal for worlds. Uh, that's the Golden Plains Outrider. Okay, which one's that? Just be, uh, it's the one that basically, uh, when you win a conflict, you can a military conflict, you can discard all the cards in province. Right. right. That's a very strong effect because yeah, it gets rid huge. of nasty holdings that you don't want to deal with. Yeah. 
it forces people to defend when they don't want to because his winning is enough to like wreck your day. Yeah. Right. So or like people and, you're holding to be charged out later in the like military or in the uh, in the uh, exactly. War yeah. Yeah. No so fun. this is the kind of guy who creates the opposite of linear play. Mm. He creates situations where your opponent is the one who determines how valuable the four cards he has are. Yep. Right. So if he's got all his cards face down in a game where basically there is no dynasty fate, right? So you can just pitch them. I mean, if he doesn't care about them, all the better. I don't believe yeah. it comes with a functional tool. Like you can pick which cards. It's all of them. I think it's, it's an all or nothing choice. So basically you are going to put his keeper initiates in the discard, but they were going to be brought up from the province anyway. So, Fair. but the big one is if you can get multiple of those guys out, you could really devastate a guy's deck mm. by just saying, I'm going to hit it, and I'm going to hit it again. I don't need to take provinces. I just need to take away your deck. Yeah, I'm just going to basically grind you at eight cards per turn if these guys live. So you have to basically assassinate them or other stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, it is one of the things we talked about. I was talking to a couple people, and I actually did get out to play some games. Of One of the problems right now in L5R as a game is yeah. there really is no dynasty phase. Like The best decks pretty much all ignore the dynasty phase. They started mm -hmm. to address it with, with the Shinjo Gunso. Uh, mm -hmm. It was really the first card that really did it. There's one in the Crab Pack as well that basically fetches more guys. His okay. the Crab character is a four-coster that fetches a one-coster, but you get to pick which one mm -hmm. it is. Like You search your deck. The Unicorn Gunso is uh, two-cost, one military, one political, Bushi Cavalry, one glory. And after you play them out of your provinces, see how notice how they did that? So you can't combine it with things like cav reserves. Yeah. You can look at the top five cards of your dynasty deck, put one okay. of those with two of links among those cards into play. Ah. Discard the rest. Right? Okay. So even though the new guy wouldn't enter the conflict, he would still be in play. <laughs> so you could launch, you know, a second conflict. But they decided they didn't want that. I can understand. However, it was a very interesting thing I noticed when I was reading this, uh, when I was looking at the Lion Clan pack, oh. because of those who serve. And it says, you may put a character with cost two or lower. And if I remember correctly, and I'm just going to see if I can find it really quick here on Bushi Builder. Uh, hopefully it's still here. Those who serve. During the dynasty phase, reduce the cost to play each character you play this phase by one. So it's just the question of I don't think those who serve is going to function properly with the with the Shinjo Gunzo, right? Right, hmm. because I don't know when you determine cost. I have to go through my rules reference guide to figure out exactly when the cost of the character is determined. Yeah, it doesn't say printed. It. it just says with a cost two or less from among those cards. So if his cost is two, even though it started as three, yeah, because I'm going to play it. Which one triggers exactly when? I have to like read up on all that, and I'm yeah, sure I'm no, just overcomplicating things. But it is something that yeah. I want to know. Also, it those like who a question worth checking. Well, I always ask, and people always give me the funniest looks. Like I can't believe you thought of that on your own. Huh. Uh, but you know, those ones are there. Um, luckily speaking. Pretty much, I'm not looking forward to really playing this year at Worlds. No? I'm just not feeling it right now. This is uh, how I felt. That. I think the last time I felt this way was when uh, I spent six months 
playing with either a Phoenix deck or a Rattling Highlander deck. Oh, dear. Because L5R and Unicorn just bored the crap out of me. Mm-hmm. So I just literally played Highlander deck. Now, luckily, one thing I learned is from playing that Highlander deck is in L5R, it is a game of skill. Yes. Because in okay. old 5R, uh, and even more so in new 5R, but in old 5R, once you knew how to play, you knew how to play. Uh, yeah. You adjusted, you knew the rules, you knew how things interacted, you just go with that. And, I mean, I think I won like 80% of my games with Rattling Highlander that we built for an April Fool's tournament. Mm-hmm. Just because it still did things. It wasn't like I picked the worst cards I could find. No, it just uh, one yeah. I, I just picked no rares and played Highlander. It was really simple. And Rattling was really good for its not rares. So, you know, that part was really good. Um, but I give that, I'm just looking at it, but I'm really looking forward to playing Draft because I think that's going to be super cool. Uh, I also think that usually with the amount of time I spend slagging the people at FFG, uh, I should give a special shout-out to Matt Holland because... Mm. Uh, as the OP guy, and mm-hmm. basically the front, he's basically become the frontward face of L5R. Because there have been a lot of things from the distribution of the Lion Pack mm-hmm. on down that have just been issues. So based on this, they they basically told people what the release schedule was, what was going to be legal for Worlds. Good. Didn't matter if it wasn't out within the 11 day timeline. They said these cards are going to be legal. Good. They also gave people access to the packs early so they could proxy the cards. Nice. With their with their official wording from FFG. Yeah. And uh, they said that the Lion Pack was going to be out on November 1st. Mm-hmm. It's when it will be released. However, because not everybody will be get it in time because, you know, Europe, uh, you know, of distribution, course. that kind of thing, they're going to hand a copy to every player who goes to Worlds. Very cool. Yes. Now, odds are they're going to be the printed in-house versions. So the quality is not quite as good as the regular for sale version. But they're cards. They're legal. And they're in your hand. Yeah. So you can basically know you're going to get them and then play them. That's, that's reassuring. It is. It's basically, it's like somebody thought one step ahead of like, well, it's, we've already told people they're going to be legal. Great. What if you can't get them? This was like the crane problem from the UK Birmingham Cote. Oh. Where basically the crane packs weren't available in England. Right. They were available across the rest of the world, but not mm-hmm. there because there was a distribution problem. They've kind of foreseen these is. problems and said, Okay, well if we're gonna make if we're gonna say that they're legal, but now we got travel considerations, because like I think I leave on November fifth for the tournament. That sounds right. Um, So basically, if there's like a blizzard and my cards don't come in, I don't get them. Yeah. So even though they're legal, I have to hope I'm one of the the first nine people to get to the FFG store and buy off their shelf. (laughs) Because if I'm not one of the first eight, there's a very good chance I'm not getting it. Because they'll be sold out in no time. Especially for people who are buying them for people back home and other stuff. It's boosh. But since they've taken away that cost structure... It's like, that is super good. I yeah, like that. That's reassuring. Yes. So that, by the way, is there. I also like the fact that on the world's front, aside from it being the world's greatest pizza party, uh, <laughs> as per the people at, at uh, Jade, uh, 
that Tyler is going to be playing in the Wednesday tournament. And I think that is mm. very impressive. If there's one thing that old 5R did exceptionally well, mm-hmm. the invitational tournaments at like Gen Con were yeah. amazing and well supported. Yeah, so, I remember Greg talking about those a lot and you a few times. Yeah, I mean, when you get to play them, it's like, sweet. Uh, but the biggest ones I remember were like, so I'm playing, and uh, that particular tournament, I think I'm playing uh, against uh, one of the playtesters, like one of the main playtest design guys. Right. Uh, person who went on to become a designer. Uh, and we played like an exceptional game, but we didn't actually play. We joked around because it didn't matter who won or lost. It was purely mm-hmm. like there was a little storyline prize, but it was like, ah, I just want to have fun. Right. I'm going to get my loot either way. So I'm pretty safe. <laughs> but what we talked about was design for like 40 minutes while we played a game of L5R. Like I would say, see this card? This card's bad, <laughs> but you're killing me with it. Yeah, but it doesn't make it any better. It just means that I have I have the most broken card on the table at the moment. Yeah. Cards like this shouldn't see play. Uh, the correction to the Obanjin Fortress came up because I played a Goblin deck in one of those tournaments. Oh, fair and enough. basically it was you know how they had yeah. all those things to trigger. So the problem was the ability to create uh, empty battles. Yeah, and use him as your first character because mm-hmm. he didn't exist. But he, then they he changed. Did, but he came into existence because of yes. there. And yeah. so that 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 rule eventually became the uh, the absent rule. So yeah. the keyword later was absent. You could not play this unless it had the absent trait. Mm-hmm. And even the absent trait in a lot of cards required some type of presence. Yeah, or, or so caused it, just, it to create presence or something. It depends. Yeah, they, they took away the create presence. They basically just said movement actions with this are legal. Mm-hmm. If you didn't have the absent trait, you could still target a unit out of the conflict, but you needed uh, a character in the battle to start yeah. the process. So it would say, target this guy, bring another character who's not there to the battle. Yeah. Um, you know, so it, they just basically made a bunch of corrections, and most of those corrections came from people, like high-level players, playing a competitive game in a non-competitive environment. Yeah. Because they basically said, look, I get the same prize either way. If you want to say you beat me 190 honor to zero, be my guest. Mm-hmm. If you want to say you enlightened in one turn, be my guest. I don't care how you beat me. I don't care I'm if I win proud. or lose. Right? I just you know, I want to have fun. Mm-hmm. I also encouraged all these super competitive players to build something zany. Because, something fun. Because people like I remember like that goblin deck from one of those turns because it's the one that sticks out in my mind. But mm-hmm. when I looked at the deck, because I said, Leon, I'm I'm tired. I didn't build a deck for this, but I don't want to play my, my regular decks. Can you pay me something? And he goes, yeah, I got this new goblin thing I'm testing. I'm like, sweet, I'll play that. So I look <laughs> at the deck, and I'm like, because it's a Leon deck. Normally, I just pick them up blind and play them. But in this particular case, I said, it's Leon. I better look at it and see what he actually put in here because mm-hmm. I may need to know this. And I look at it, he's like, I look through the deck, I'm looking at all the lists, I turn to um, a guy who gave it to me, and I say, why is there no Yobanjin Fortress in this deck? Ah. This deck would kill with that. And he turns to the guy who built the deck for him and said, yeah, why is there no Yobanjin Fortress in this deck? 
So we had a three year bandit fortress, and uh, I believe in one of the battles I went from two fours to 190 in four oh, actions. Jesus. Yeah, basically the guy who I did it to said, "Well, that was unexpected." All started from one Yobanjin guy. Mm -hmm. And then the rest of the world went crazy. So, those ones there. Don't want to get too much on an old 5R kind of rant and rave. Um, uh, luckily, I want to thank a few people here who helped me out online. Uh, uh, Asglor is my dad. Uh, Rudy was Evan. Uh, people I like. I talked a little bit to Action Johnny uh, from mm -hmm. Vancouver. But mostly just people who have helped me out because since I've been sick, I haven't really been able to do any testing. Right. Um, so that's cool. I mean, I'm doing podcasts with the five or more rings. That part will be fun. Yeah. Um, so that's like basically the whole reason I'm still going. If it wasn't for that, I probably would have figured out a way to like weasel. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. Yes. But so overall. Traveling's tough on you to begin with. And then if you're already ill, 